Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. You'll find everything. I mean, links to the audio-only podcast, uh, links to our po- uh, to our uh, stream, uh, to the social media sites where we simulcast the radio show. Everything, everything. Good morning, and welcome to Tuesday. I know feels like Monday, but it's not. Yesterday was Monday, and oh, that's a better way to spend a Monday, right there. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, the uh, the shortened, heightened four day week here. It's the best part about a three day weekend is the four day work week afterwards, right? I mean, that's just that's just perfect. That is just perfect. Uh, welcome to the program and thanks for coming in and joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show, and we're ready to dive into it. Tuesday means what? Uh, Tuesday means that it's time for the weekly top three, where we're going to dive down into issues uh, related to the state with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for uh, for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to come in and uh, be joining us and talk about uh, three big things today, including um, the ADN editorial board. Uh, they seem to be sensing weakness in the Alaska House. Uh, and then we've got the next big concern on the PFD. And finally, the latest ploy from the top 20%. In what we're, doing. we're going to talk about those things and more. Plus some headlines. Headlines. Who's got your headlines? There's a few. There's a few that are going on, uh, including, if you saw, I mean, again, we don't cover much of the national or world news here on the program, but I did have to, uh, I did say that even I heard about the uh, <clears throat> attacks in Moscow. Uh, where apparently uh, Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian uh, 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 soldiers, attackers, dissidents, whatever, launched drone attacks into Moscow itself. That must have been a little shocking. Um, anyway, some interesting stuff happening while you uh, while you were going on. And yes, I did have a four day weekend. And yes, it was glorious, glorious. Absolutely fantastic. Um, couldn't have been better unless it was a 40-day weekend. Right? Four-day weekend. What's better than a four-day weekend? A five-day weekend. Yes, that's exactly. And maybe we'll have one of those sometime. I don't know. But, uh, boy, it was sure nice. Got some stuff done around the house. Uh, helped my wife with the planning of the things. Talked my son into mowing the lawn again and uh, did a few more things and then just spent some time just hanging out. Got the grill fired up for the first time. Was having a hard time with my grill. Finally got it fixed and uh, did a cookout yesterday. It was just it was just fun, man. It was just 
so fun and relaxing and restorative restorative that's what it is uh my only complaint is uh i had about 10.8 minutes of sun uh this weekend my wife and i was like the sun started to come out i'm like we should go outside and work on it we were outside for 10 minutes and in the sunshine so nice so warm and then it clouded up again i don't know what's going on what happened to the global warming all right i want to know I was looking forward to some more global warming and hot sunshine, like Savannah Sahara weather here. What's going on? Why? I mean, I'm looking outside. I got a little peek through my curtains here in the studio, and it is black and gloomy out there. What the heck, man? I would just like a little, I would like just a little summer before summer's over. My wife looked at me yesterday. She goes, what's going on? Because, you know. We start losing daylight in like 22 days. Where is my summer? She was a little, I mean, she was a little upset. She's like, we start losing daylight in 22 days. Where is my summer? Um, <clears throat> to which I had, I'm sorry, honey. It's not me. I just stepped away. Stepped away. I have no idea what's going on, but I really, really, uh, yeah, I really, really want to know what's going on. Okay. Um, so welcome back. Uh, what else? What else? What else is going on uh, this week? Uh, oh, um, hey, uh, this weekend I will be uh, emceeing an event down in Homer uh, that goes to support the student um, student scholarship fund in Homer um, uh, down at Bear Creek. They're doing the big music festival. And uh, it's going to be uh, all the proceeds go to help the uh, student scholarship fund down there in Homer. And so I'll be emceeing the Bear Creek Music Festival down there. Uh, they're putting it on in the big botanical gardens this weekend. So fingers crossed it's going to be nice this weekend in Homer because I'm in the rain. I mean, I won't get out in the rain. I'm, I'll be under the gazebo thing. But everybody else will be. Let's hope it's nice. All right. That's what I'm saying. Come down and see me. It'll be fun. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. All right. On to the news, on to the headlines. Um, this was an interesting, uh, this was an interesting piece. The former owner of the uh, North Pole Petroleum Refinery, uh, known as Williams, Alaska, has, it's been determined by the Alaska Supreme Court in a ruling on Friday, said that they are financially liable for groundwater pollution that has contaminated the drinking water wells around the refinery. Um, Williams owned and operated the refinery in North Pole from 1977 to 2004 when it was sold to Flint Hills. Part of the refining process involved the use of a chemical known as sulfoline, which is a solvent. And it was determined that uh, because of poor maintenance and spills, that uh, sulfoline had been spilled into the ground and then reached into the groundwater, the water table. Williams, Alaska, detected the chemical in local groundwater as early as 1996, but didn't report that fact until 2001, five years later, according to the DEC. This, I mean, oh, this just gets good. Uh, DEC has also detected the groundwater was polluted by chemicals used in firefighting foam, uh, commonly known as PA, uh, PFAS which this spring the legislature voted to ban the use of that in the state of Alaska. In 2014, Flint Hills and the state of Alaska sued Williams, saying it would bear the cost of cleanup and containment. 
In the years since the sale, the plume of sulfalene has spread underground away from the refinery. And there's been a ton of homes affected by this. And the city of North Pole, in fact, was affected by it. They had to um, do some changes to their water treatment systems and everything else and new wells. And I mean, it's been a hot, hot mess. Uh, even before I left, um, uh, the uh, even before I left Fairbanks uh, and moved down here to the Matsu, this was affecting people all over the place. Now, luckily for me, not where I live, but I had friends that were like, they couldn't use their well waters anymore. They had to go onto bottled water. They had to figure out how do we get, how do we get uh, piped in? You know, I mean, it's it was a it's a hot mess. Uh, Williams uh, raised a variety of arguments in their defense, including claims that sulfalene isn't harmful, blatantly false. The DEC was negligent in its oversight. That's that's a reason why. Hey, it's not our fault. They should have been. They should have been. I mean, we knew about it for five years and didn't say anything, but they were negligent in their oversight. And that the refinery sales contract capped damages and that the state was engaging in unconstitutional taking. I mean, they were trying desperately everything in their power to dodge this bullet. Um, the cost, according to the judge's estimate, is approaching $100 million. When considering the cost of the new piped water system, the need to provide bottled water in the meantime, and the cost of new city drilled wells. Now, they're going to appeal this to the Supreme Court, um, or they did appeal it to the Supreme Court, rather, which rejected it, uh, all of rejected it, rejected Williams's argument, except uh, in one case, which was a procedural error that the justices said could be fixed uh, by the lower court judge. But it was a 16-day bench trial in 19, uh, 2019 that initially found them mostly responsible for, for uh, transitioning the, the costs of transitioning homes to piped water. This was the final nail in that coffin, and the Supreme Court has said, uh, nope, it's on you. So good news for all you people out there in North Pole who have uh, been fighting this thing for so long. It's a good deal. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, what was the other thing that caught my attention? That one, that one, uh, oh, this one, um, this is, it's from the Alaska beacon. Um, you know, talking about Alaska has this nurse shortage, uh, but I mean, there's a nationwide problem with nursing shortage, you know, medical profession, especially post pandemic, but Alaska's nurse shortage is acknowledged as one of the biggest ones that's going on out there. Um, a bill that aims to get nurses licensed and working faster in Alaska by joining a 40-state uh, uh, coalition. There's a licensure coalition um, that would allow them. It basically allows reciprocity, right? We're all familiar with that on the firearms, you know, concealed carry reciprocity. This is the same kind of thing. If you're licensed in one state, then you can practice uh, in another in a uh, you get a, basically it's a it's a faster way of getting your license into Alaska, because as of right now, if you're licensed in another state and they come up here, it could take three to four months to get your license here in the state of Alaska, which is uh, and, and that department, the Department of Licensing and all that stuff under the Commerce and Community Development they're struggling to be able to try and keep up with this. Meanwhile, we're still short of nurses. So Mike Prax put in this bill that would have had us join this uh, coalition 
licensure coalition, which again has 40 other states in it. And of course, the the union said, well, that just, that harms nurses. According to Joel Hall, it destroys their bargaining power and their ability to protect themselves on the job. She says the compact, which is the coalition, takes away Alaska's nurses' ability to strike because they could be replaced with a workforce from out of state. Well, there's a nationwide shortage, so I can't say that they'd be scraping work. I mean, they're going to be a tool that they would use to put downward pressure on nurses and their wages and their working conditions. Uh, Okay, Her, her solution to this problem? Well, we just, you know, we can't just trade nurses across state lines. This is a problem of supply, and the supply is constrained by universities in our state. So we need to, we need to, you know, we as a state, when we disinvest in the university, we're not meeting our critical need for our workforce. Oh, more spending in the university. That's what the answer is. Of course, that answer is going to take years to manifest anything if, if, if that was really the solution. But even if it was a solution, it's going to take years to manifest. It doesn't fix the problem right now. And even Jared Kosen, the executive director of the Alaska Hospital and Healthcare Association, says, well, yeah, I mean, she's right, but it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, it's right that we need more schooling, but it still doesn't solve the problem now. And this does. But you just got to love it how they're like, no, we can't do that. We need to. <sighs> You know, I come home from the weekend and, uh, you know, I come back from the weekend and nothing, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Still, it's a problem, right? All right. We're out of time. We got to go. The weekly top three is up next. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. We're ready to go. Brad Keithley, our guest. And then, of course, Chris Story in hour two. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi. Howdy. You guys all ready? Uh, Oh, man. Okay, let me go back up here. Um. Brian, Brian said he downloaded the Durham report, started working through it, lasted about 20 minutes. I mean, yeah, that's a. Uh, she realizes that the summer equinox starts on the solstice, right? That's what she said, Bill, 22 days and that we start losing daylight. I mean, that was the point, you know. Um. <clears throat> Uh, hope pants it out. Um, wasn't the groundwater in North Pole already bad? No, no, it wasn't bad. It was drinkable. And, uh, yeah. And didn't this cause an issue for Flint Hills? Yes. That's why Flint Hills and the state sued Williams. 
because it, what part of this wasn't disclosed about what was going on. And so they sold the refinery and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, our bad, so fleet. And uh, Flint Hills is like, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, nationwide comment. Bill says try six months to a year to get your nurse's license. Yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm going here. He's a thing. Twenty-two days till my grandson's twelfth birthday. Okay. Hello. Good morning. All right. Let's 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 get down down into this. <sighs> Just getting back into the groove, my friends. Getting back into the groove. You ready to go? I've got to take my ritual beating. That's what we're doing here. My ritual <laughs> weekly beating. Uh, for, for the last, I had to, I had to brace myself here to get ready for it. All right, hello, Brad. How you doing? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing great. That was a that was a pretty interesting 15 minutes. You went from smooth, chilled out, relaxed three days three day weekend to Joel Hall in in, in the span of 15 oh, minutes. I did. Yeah. You know, it's it the the relaxation only lasts so long because then you got to dive back <laughs> into your feet. You know, it's like I got out and I just decontaminated myself and patted myself dry and I feel pretty good. And then they're like, oh, now I've got to climb back into the stew. OK, all right, let's do it. Feet first. Let's make it happen. That's what uh, that's what goes on. But. Oh, it was nice while it lasted. It was nice while it lasted. So it's all good. How about yourself? How was your. Uh, how was your uh, your holiday weekend? I mean, I know you're retired and all that, so it's like always a weekend. But well, I mean, you know, how was your holiday weekend? Oh, I spent it. Uh, I spent it flying. I, I came down to visit my mother, uh, and so I, I I plunged right into the middle of the Memorial Day travel schedule. Uh, did a flight to Chicago and did a train from Chicago down downstate to, to where my mother lives. So it's you think, uh, it you'd, was... know better, you think you'd know better than that, my friend. <laughs> I mean, leave a couple of days early or something. Avoid most of the headache. You know, I mean, that's just that's just madness right there. Well, I did do this. I I did I did take a red eye. I did fly overnight, and that's actually better. I mean, the flights are full, full and it's discomfort discomfortable as heck, but. Uh, it's not as, it's not as crazy in the airport. So I did do that. Well, good. I mean, I just, I barely left my house for four days. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my kid would get, it's like, Terry's like, well, we need this. I'm like, well, that's why we have this daughter. And that's why she drives one of my cars. Go, you go to the store. <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. That's why we've got that. That's well, the price you pay for living in my house. You know, I was like, I'm not leaving. And it was beautiful. It was glorious just to, to do the thing here. But <clears throat> with the, with the five minutes of sunshine, it was like, seriously, I mean, I like almost timed it. I'm like, Oh, look, it's about 10, 15. Oh, let's, let's go outside for a few minutes. And then it's like clouded up and I'm like, what the heck just happened? And that was it the whole weekend. That was the whole weekend. That was all the sunshine you get. You don't think that was cause and effect, do you? Shh. Don't, don't rain on my parade. I'm trying to convince myself that God doesn't hate me. All right, here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Do all that stuff. <coughs> Let's go.
Okay. <clears throat> wow, that snuck up on me. All right, you ready to go? We're going to dive into this now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It's the weekly top three. Three big things that Brad uh, thinks that we should be paying attention to. He is, of course, the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We just got caught up on all of our holiday weekend chit-chat, and now we're down to business. We take things seriously around here. <laughs> Sorry. That was I had a hard time with that for just a minute. Um, all right, Brad, uh, the weekly top three. <clears throat> the first one is that the ADN editorial board appears to be sensing weakness. It senses weakness in its prey. The Alaska House of Representatives is now in a precarious position. They're about to pounce. The ADN is doing their thing. Give us, uh, give us the rundown here. Well, the uh, the this weekend's editorial from uh, the ADN editorial board uh, is, uh, is is an interesting one. Uh, they 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 try to leverage the disarray in the House majority uh, into what effectively would be a kill shot uh, on the PFD. They argue that that. Now that the House has demonstrated reasonableness in the in the in the view of the uh, in the view of the ADN editorial board by agreeing to a twenty five seventy five PFD, not stretching out the special session, uh, trying to uh, trying to leverage uh, gain counter leverage to uh, to get a higher PFD, and agreed to the spending that the that the Senate dumped on them. Now that the House has demonstrated that they're reasonable. And even the House leadership, they said even the House leadership is reasonable because even though they opposed the budget and even though they wanted a higher PFD, they didn't stop the session. They didn't stop the bill from going to the floor and they didn't they didn't uh, uh, engage in the dilatory tactics they could have as leadership. Uh, even they are appearing reasonable, according to the ADM. All of that setup really ought to make you very, very concerned. <clears throat> and then and then the last paragraph goes for the kill shot. Uh, it says, let's uh, keep that ball rolling. Governor Dunleavy should call an October special session in Anchorage with a narrow, achievable focus on the sole issue of a spending cap. Um, and earlier in the piece, they described the spending cap that they're talking about is one that rolls the PFD inside the spending cap, similar to uh, uh, the amendment that Will Stapp uh, ran uh, on the spending cap, dissimilar, unsimilar to what Ben Carpenter passed out of Ways and Means, uh, but similar to the to the, uh, the spending cap amendment that Will Stapp uh, pushed in the House Finance Committee that ended in House Finance Committee exploding on the issue uh, and not finishing finishing the issue. Right. The uh, the the ADN says let's let's narrowly focus on uh, the achievable. <laughs> focus on the sole issue of a spending cap with the PFD uh, inside the spending cap. And as I said, that would be the kill shot on the PFD because what's going on, if you look at, as we talked about time and time earlier on the show, if you look about what's, if you look at what's going on with the budget, traditional revenues over the course of the next decade are declining. Uh, uh, even with the spending cap, spending would be going up. Uh, if you throw the PFD inside the spending cap, what that does, as did Will Stapp's amendment, what that does is elevate the spending cap by another billion dollars because you would say, well, you need to save room for the PFD, but it doesn't guarantee the PFD. So right. Ben Carpenter's- it guarantees, 
it guarantees another billion in spending, but they don't have to spend it on the PFD. I mean, they use the argument, we need to put this under here so we can give you your PFD, but then, oh, now we can take your PFD and you don't get any. Right. So it increases the spending. I mean, Ben Carpenter's objection to it was exactly correct. It increases the spending cap by by putting the PFD inside. It increases the spending cap by a billion, but there's no guarantee that it's spent on the PFD. And with declining revenues, uh, traditional revenues, you can see what's happening. The PFD is more and more and more of the PFD until by 2032, the PFD is almost gone. More and more of the PFD is used to uh, is to use to support spending is converted over diverted over to to spending as opposed to government spending as opposed to being used uh, for the PFD. So ADA it, it, it's going for the kill shot. No mention at all uh, in the in the editorial of as part of this overall fiscal plan that the ADA is pushing uh, of guaranteeing the PFD, uh, uh, putting the PFD in the Constitution. None of that, um, uh, and none of of alternative revenue, substitute revenues, which would enable you to back out uh, using PFD cuts, as taxes in the form of PFD cuts to fund the budget uh, with uh, with alternative revenues, lower impact revenues on middle and lower income Alaska families. None of that. So it's, a, it's the top 20% kill shot. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to, what they're trying to do, if, if, the, if the governor went down this road, what they would be doing is setting up the death of the PFD, the kill shot on the PFD, um, uh, and and guaranteeing uh, additional government spending uh, conversion of of the PFD until it's gone uh, to uh, to government spending. It's the top twenty percent dream case because spending continues to go up, government spending continues to go up, uh, uh, and, and PFD cuts, taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families are used to fund it. There's no mention, no discussion, no consideration of alternative of alternative revenues, because after you'll after all, you've got the PFD inside the cap. You just keep, keep consuming more and more of that. Right. A, 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 PF, a, a, a spending cap, even if you keep the PFD outside of the spending cap. Is 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 not much better. Uh, because what will happen is, if you don't guarantee the PFD, is not much better. Because what will happen is you'll just keep lowering the amount of the PFD that's outside the spending cap, diverting more and more of the PFD inside the spending cap uh, to uh, to support government spending. So there's really the a, a spending cap alone, uh, a sole a sole spending cap alone, uh, is not is not an overall solution is not a solution that is fair to middle and lower income Alaska families. It just takes the PFD to have a full solution as we've talked time and time again on the program to ha have an actual uh, fiscal plan, an actual full solution that's fair to everybody. You need to guarantee the PFD at some level. You need a spending cap to protect against additional spending and you need alternative revenues to substitute for the gap that's created by a, uh, by guaranteeing the PFD government. These are all things that are in ways and means that Ben Carpenter has been working on since the beginning of this term. And he's just, I mean, again, getting sandbagged and pushed back. I mean, the spending cap was going through until that last minute amendment by STAP, which created this whole, you know, challenge to begin with. They're working on it, but <clears throat> what's going to happen? I mean, I, who knows? Yeah, and the spending cap. I, I mean, I was a little, I, I was a little troubled in the first place by the spending cap going out on its own, leaving ways and means on its own without, without the other provisions. Because as I say, 
<coughs> even if the PFD is outside the spending cap, without the without the additional provisions of a guarantee for the PFD and alternative revenues, you just you you you're you're it's just the death of the PFD another way. Uh, Steps amendment certainly made it even uh, made it even clearer what was going on. But I just I, I just think it's interesting that the ADN uh, in trying to play on uh, this uh, this division that, that surfaced in the House majority in the final days it was always there, but surfaced uh, uh, very publicly in the final days, trying to play on this division, saying, oh, you all are reasonable. You know, you guys who supported the oh, budget, yeah. you're reasonable. <laughs> the leader, even the leadership's reasonable because they didn't they didn't use dilatory tactics to, you know, hold the budget uh, ransom hostage while they tried to work out the issues on the PFD. You guys are reasonable too. So let's just, let's just take all this reasonableness. Let's all put it in a room, but now let's keep it focused on a single issue. We don't want, we don't want you guys going off on a tangent. And right. Unreasonable. No, yeah. No full fiscal plan. Only the one thing we want you to talk about. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about from time to time um, and, and I, and I would as well that, you know, the PFD, let's do the PFD first. And some people say, some people on the on the left, on the progressive side, let's do revenues first. Um, and the Chamber of Commerce uh, uh, and the top 20% list, well, let's do a spending cap first, because that way down the road, we're protected from ever having taxes on top of PFD cuts. And all we lose in all this is the PFD. So everybody's got their, got their preferred, let's go first uh, uh, item. And, and clearly you can see the top 20% uh, the Binkley family, <laughs> what the Binkley family is pushing as, uh, uh, as, uh, as their preferred solution. Give us a spending cap first. Right. And then, I mean, it, Michael, there's, this is so bad. There's not even, there's not even a, a, a whiff of, and then we'll address everything else. <laughs> it is, it is, y'all are so reasonable. Let's just g- give me everything I want right now. The top 20%, give, give me everything I want right now. And there's not even a, I'll, I'll consider your stuff later. It's just give it all to me and, and, and we'll, and we'll stop and call it a victory then. Right. That'll be the solution. This is the one hit wonder right here. This is the solution. Uh, Donna uh, Hardwin's in the chat room. She says at the current spending rate, the PFD will be gone during Dunleavy's second term at the current spending rate. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm just, you know, we know that it's days are numbered. We know that its days are numbered based on the current makeup of the legislature and what's going on right now. It's just a it, now it's just a matter of time. You know, was it is it next year? Is it five years from now? We're in the decline. This is where it's going. Well, yeah, I mean, if the if the legislature keeps going, down, if the if the House majority keeps fracturing in the way they fractured uh, in the final days this session, if they if they can't get their act together to to hold fast on the PFD going forward, that's probably right. I mean, I would I would say that that I think most who voted for the majority voted who who were voting for members who became part of the majority, most voting for them thought that PFD protection would be at least part of their uh, of their of their mandate, part of what they considered important. Uh, but you know, the ADN is is highlighting the fracture that occurred in the final days and saying, well, it looks like. <laughs> looks like they don't care about the PFD that much. So let's just go ahead and, and get what we want and, um, and, and we'll call it good. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's uh, all right. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to the uh, uh, let's move on to number two. Give me a tease here and we'll take an early break uh, for number two. 
which is, uh, of course, the uh, the next big concern for the PFD. Well, there was an article in the uh, in the uh, Alaska Beacon, which I don't think made it to the ADN or the Juno Empire or any of the other papers. Uh, but it's uh, by Andrew Kitcheman, and it says the the headline is Alaska Permanent Fund Account that Pays for State Budget Dividends is Under Pressure. And it's uh, talking about an issue that came up, was discussed uh, heavily at the most recent uh, Permanent Fund Board meeting down in Kenai Sildatna uh, last week or the, the week before, maybe, um, and and focuses on, on a developing situation that has raised concerns. I it I, as as we will talk about the concern is sort of Bert Stedman made uh, and we'll talk right. about why that is but uh it's a concern that uh, that I think is going to keep surfacing uh in the legislature in the uh, in the coming uh, coming session what another self-inflicted wound say it ain't so that's not possible i mean it just doesn't happen around here right uh Brad Keithley is our guest Alaskans for sustainable budgets uh, the weekly top three continues. Uh, you're home for Common Sense Radio. Back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll return. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, the ERA is under pressure because BS keeps moving money to the corpus. That's Bert Stedman. By the way, for those of you who did, I mean, she wasn't like saying that was just BS. I mean, that was just Bert Stedman. So it's the ERA is under pressure because Bert Stedman keeps moving money into the corpus, um, which, again, is uh, that and the fact that they continue to monkey with the funding source of the permanent funds over the last couple of years and not paying it out of the ERA like everything else. I mean, this is just. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um Brad, I don't know if you want to make further comment on that. You know, I, I think it was interesting to watch how the House majority um, in, in those final, the coalition in those final days, in that final two, 10 day, 10 day period, 12 day period, that's when out of the blue, you had this spending cap, which wasn't great to begin with. And then, well, I'm here for the second here. That was, that was unfortunate. Uh <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm fortunate that it happened during the break, but uh, not uh, exactly what I was anticipating here. It'll be a second before I get my camera back up. Uh, meanwhile, we're about 60 seconds out from rejoining the radio. Hi, Brad. <laughs> it's just like I was in the middle of making a valid Hi, point. I'm sure I was making a valid point, too, when everything just pooped the bed. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but like. <sighs> I got the blue screen of death, and all of a sudden the computer's just like, we don't like you. You were rebooting right now. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, I, demonst I demonstrated I'm not very good at holding down the floor. So. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, well, we're about to rejoin the radio. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Hey, look at that. I got the camera back up. Uh, we are 24 seconds out from rejoining the radio. And uh, do I have... Uh, 
Good God, do I have everything? Yep, I got everything. Okay, I got music, I got sound, I got this, I got that, I got... Come on. What's up? There we go. All right. Here we go. Hold still. Common sense. This is what it feels like. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the, uh, Michael Duke show. Yeah, a lot of bit of a pain in the, uh, had a little bit of a technical freak out there during the commercial break, which was perfect. I mean, I couldn't have asked for it to happen at a better time because it was during the commercial break. But we're back, and Brad Keithley with Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is our guest. And, um, we were going into the number two of the weekly top three. Uh, number two was, uh, the next concern for the PFD. Uh, Brad, take it away. Well, for the permanent permanent fund as a whole. Yeah. So the way the permanent fund operates, the way the permanent fund operates is the permanent fund corpus generates earnings from, from time to time. And hopefully it, most of the time, those earnings go into the earnings reserve. And then the earnings reserve is used <coughs> both to fund the PFD and to fund uh, uh, the POMV draw. Uh, that's increasingly being used on to, used to rely on relied on to uh, to fund government spending. the 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 function of that is it depends on the permanent fund corpus generating earnings that are then going into the to the to the earnings reserve account to regenerate to refloat to rebalance uh, the the draws that are being taken out of the uh, out of the earnings reserve to uh, to go to government. And, and, and this year is not a very good year. The earnings are down. Uh, in the past uh, several years, the amount of excess or the amount of, of growth in the, uh, in the earnings reserve has varied from $3.2 billion in FY17, uh, as much as $7.96 billion in FY21, uh, $4.5 billion in FY22. By comparison, this year is now on track uh, to be uh, to come in at about 2.47 or maybe lower. So a significantly lower amount coming into the, the permanent fund earnings reserve uh, from, uh, from, from the permanent fund. That's, that's lower than, uh, than, than the amount needed to, to help regenerate the fund, to help keep uh, the fund afloat uh, going forward. And so the, the concern in the Alaska Beacon is, what if we have two years of this or three years of this or four years of this where you're not getting enough water back into the account? You're not getting enough earnings back into the account uh, to, to have it, to regenerate itself, to have enough to pay the POMV draw uh, and from that to pay the PFD and to pay what's called inflation proofing, which is an amount that goes from the earnings reserve back into the corpus. Right. Uh, inflation proof the corpus. And, and the Alaska Beacon focuses on a concern in the permanent fund corporation itself, <coughs> earnings aren't gonna that the earnings aren't gonna be sufficient. Not only are they not sufficient this year, they're not sufficient in future years. And 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 you know, sort of a discussion about what do we do then if there's a not not enough coming into the uh, into the earnings reserve. One of the problems, uh, the reason I said this is sort of self-inflicted as uh, as as we went to break. One of the problems uh, that's ha that, that happens in the earnings reserve is you have these down years, but the earnings reserve historically has kept a bunch of money from prior good years 
in the earnings reserve as sort of a backstop to, to the down years so that you would still, still have money in the earnings reserve even in the down years. Well, in response to Governor Dunleavy uh, and some in the legislature a few years ago talking about, well, we'll just we'll can we'll we'll pay the PFD by just taking more out of the earnings reserve. The earnings reserve has these has these high amounts in it. In response to that discussion, over the last couple of years, uh, Senator Stedman and Senate Finance have led the way into taking excess amounts, uh, more than uh, is required to. Uh, fund government, uh, fund the PFD, and to and to pay for the uh, inflation adjustment, to take excess amounts out of the earnings reserve and push it into the uh, push it into the corpus. Uh, in FY22, for example, well, in FY20, for example, they took 4.76 billion dollars in excess amounts uh, in, and funded it into the into the corpus. Uh, last year was FY22 was 4 billion. This year is 4.17 billion. A portion of that, about a billion dollars of that. Each of those draws was necessary for inflation proofing, but the remainder of it was just was just an excess amount. So what's happened is by 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 sort of reacting to what Dunleavy said about let's use the, the these high earnings that are sitting in the earnings reserve, the reaction to that of moving those excess amounts in or moving what he called excess amounts into the permanent fund corpus where they can't be touched is to drain the earnings reserve down to the point that if it has a couple of bad years, <coughs> then we run the risk of, uh, of not having enough to fund both, uh, both the POMB draw, PFD, uh, and, the, uh, and the inflation proofing. This isn't, this isn't really a horrible situation. I mean, we've had these situations in the past, excuse me, and what's happened is they've just deferred the inflation adjustment uh, for one or two or, or up to three years. Um, and then caught up when there's been a certain when, when the markets have caught up, and when there's been an excess of uh, a high earnings year uh, uh, in the permanent fund that's moved over to the earnings reserve, then used those high earnings years to sort of catch up on the on the inflation adjustment. So we've we've had a mechanism in the past that we've used to uh, that, that we've used to address that, uh, but seemingly they want to forget about that mechanism uh, going forward. So it's a combination of both. Of both the excess draws that Senator Stedman led, uh, moving sort of a surplus in the earnings reserve over to the permanent fund corpus, and sort of the absence of talking about uh, uh, using uh, uh, deferring on the inflation adjustment uh, as a way to accommodate uh, lows in the earnings reserve. Uh, that's sort of what's leading into uh, leading into this problem. So it's a way um, of, it's a way of artificially creating pressure in the way that they want so that they can say, well, see, now we have this crisis and now we have to deal with it. This is like never let a crisis go to waste. Even crises that we create is what you're saying. Right. And, 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 and the pressure is going to show up in terms of, well, we need to merge the earnings reserve and the permanent fund corpus and then allow a 5% draw uh, on, on that combined amount, which is what we're doing now, but allow a POMB draw on that combined amount plus, plus a, uh, uh, a, a POMB draw on that combined amount, regardless of whether the earnings have been sufficient to fund it. And it's a way, sort of, of setting up a future in which you could draw down the permanent fund corpus. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an artificial crisis in the sense that it's being created by a simultaneous move of a bunch of money out of the earnings reserve over into the uh, permanent fund corpus 
excess money that should have been sitting in the in the earnings reserve to sort of get us through the situation and sort of the failure to contemplate the traditional method we've used in the past of deferring a couple of years of inflation adjustments uh, to uh, to address address this situation creating creating a crisis out of that and then talking about a solution to that crisis that then <coughs> theoretically could open up the permanent fund corpus In interesting situation I, I the 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 pitch uh, in uh, in Kitchenman's article is sort of an, an emerging crisis, and I suspect we'll see others pick up on that and say, "Oh my God, this is a problem. We've got to we've got right. to deal with this problem." Right. But as you as you listen to and as you read articles about that, keep in mind it's artificial, uh, created by the past maneuver of moving excess out of the out of the earnings reserve and the future maneuver of not looking to. Defer the inflation. Adjustment. I thought one of the benefits of the POMV was that it was supposed to be automatically inflation proofed. Isn't that wasn't that supposed one of the arguments that they made originally? Well, it, it's automatically inflation proofed in a different way. Um, it, it's automatically inflation proofed in the sense that you limit the amount of draw uh, uh, from the, the the permanent fund uh, to the the after inflation, the post inflation adjusted. Uh, amount and you and so by that you leave enough you should leave enough in the earnings reserve leave enough in earnings to to be able to cover inflation but you still have to make that move of of the inflation amount out of the earnings reserve over into the uh, over into the corpus to make it work but again they're playing the long game here and this is what we're uh, feeling all right let's move over to number three the latest top 20 percent ploy we got about four minutes brad so I've gotten in, in some debates recently with, uh, with uh, some friends uh, about, uh, about, you know, this whole fiscal situation. And, and basically, I've had a, a few situations in which people have responded by saying, well, spending's too high, and I'm not going to agree to taxes until spending comes down. <coughs> and, 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 and use that as a justification for no taxes and and continued reliance on PFD cuts, it's a it's a it's a top twenty percent ploy. I mean, basically, we've seen this session spending's not come going to come down. As I said, this session is an inflection point. You have a how you have a majority of Republicans in the House, and yet they voted for a budget that nevertheless continued uh, uh, high spend uh, historically high spending levels. Uh, and setting up additional programs like K through 12, uh, child uh, care, uh, state supported child care, all of which are going to continue to grow over the budget in the future. Um, so so we've, we've seen that spending is not going to come down. We're going to be lucky if spending doesn't increase. So it's disingenuous to say, I'm not going to pay taxes until spend, I'm not going to agree to taxes until spending comes down. Spending isn't going to come down. And, and so the choice is going forward, given that traditional revenues are on decline, <clears throat> the choice going forward is either PFD cuts or taxes uh, as a way, of, as a way of, of, of filling the fiscal gap. If you're saying, I'm not going to agree to taxes, I'm not going to support taxes until spending comes down, what you're really saying is, I'm going to ignore reality, spending isn't going to come down, um, and I'm going to stick on this no taxes pledge. And the and the consequence of that is going to be continued PFD cuts, deeper and deeper PFD cuts, as traditional revenues continue to decline and spending continues to go up. 
So when you when you tell me I'm I'm never gonna I'm not gonna support taxes until spending comes down, what you're really telling me is you support continued deeper and deeper and deeper PFD cuts until until the PFD's gone. <coughs> and it's it's they say it in in uh, in in good faith, but that's the consequence. The consequence is you're telling me that you're going to support continued PFD cuts, but you don't want to debate the issue. You don't want to debate the fairness of the issue of relying on <coughs> excuse me, relying on PFD cuts. You want you want to say that what you're that you're that you're you know somehow against taxes because spending's too high. Right. Well. But he, we're gonna we're gonna have taxes one but way you're not gonna, either gonna but you, yeah but you're not gonna fix the spending is too high you're just gonna say i mean again using it as window dressing it's so frustrating brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets brad thanks for coming on board and joining us i appreciate that uh, all right folks we got more coming up hour two dead ahead the michael duke show common sense radio I mean, that's the rub, Brad, right? I mean, out of the one side of their mouth, they're like, until we get the spending down, this is what we can't. But there's no will to cut spending. There's no will. There's no inclination. There's nothing. So it's just a way of, again, kicking the can down the road while paying lip service to, I mean, they know what the problem is. The problem is the spending. But nobody's willing to embrace that two-fisted, uh, you know, in that regard. And they know what the solution is. They they know what the solution to the increased spending is going to be additional PFD cuts. <clears throat> so by saying they're not going to support alternative revenue measures, substitute revenue measures, um, uh, uh, while we continue to while we continue to have high spending, it's just I mean they're just it's an argument. It's an argument for PFD cuts. I it is it is disingenuous for Republicans <coughs> like Will Stapp or or Justin Refridge or or the others uh, on that side of the on that side of the majority it's disingenuous for them to say no taxes um, uh, because we're going to get spending down they're not going to get spending down they just voted for a budget that that has increased spending over historic levels and has additional spending built into it by the passage of of, of you know the setup for increase in K through 12 and inc a permanent increase in K through 12, a permanent increase in uh, in, in state support of child support. Mentioned defined benefits coming behind. It's disingenuous to say that we're going to get spending down. That's going to be the solution. Not going to happen, guys. So so here's the choice. How do you fund how do you fund that spending? You're either going to fund it by equitable taxes, taxes that spread the burden across across all of the state, including the top 20%, and non-residents who would pay 7 right. to 10% of the burden uh, if we went to taxes, or you're going to pay for it by head taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families in the form of PFD cuts. That's what's happening one way or the other. And to say you're not going to support taxes, whatever excuse you give, to say you're not going to support taxes means what you're doing, in fact, is supporting PFD cuts. You're supporting, you're supporting continued deeper and deeper PFD cuts as traditional revenues. Which is just another oh. form of tax anyway, right? Which is, it is. again, it doesn't fall under their, it doesn't fall under their no tax pledge, even though it's the it, most destructive form of taxation we have. It's not a tax on them. I mean, here's the thing about when the, when the top 20% say no taxes, <coughs> what they're really saying is no taxes on me, on the top 20%. I don't care that there's head taxes, PFD cuts, the most regressive, form of tax ever 
I don't require, I don't care. And I'm going to discount and ignore if there's taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families. What no taxes really means in that discussion is no taxes on me. All I'm concerned about is me. Right. And, and I, and I don't want taxes on, on my top 40%. I'm not going to get spending under control, by the way. I don't want taxes on me. So you guys in the middle and lower income Alaska, middle and lower income Alaska families, you just continue paying and paying and paying and paying. Right. Well, and here's Kevin saying the quiet part out loud. I've seen no evidence except on this show that there's political or general right. public will to cut spending. That's it. I mean, that's the, that is the bad news. That's the quiet part that's out loud there. No, there is no will. There is no political except for a handful of legislators. That's it. That's the point. And now the question is, once that's the point, accept your point, Kevin, once that's the point, the next question, and it's, an, and it's as important, if not more important question is, how do you pay for that spending then? <coughs> as traditional revenues decline, how do you pay for that spending? And if you don't support taxes, if you don't support taxes, broad-based taxes that hit the top 20% non-resident, if you don't support taxes to pay for that spending, then you're supporting PFD cuts, taxes on that, that fall hardest on middle and lower income Alaska families, hardest that has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy. That's the choice. Once you accept that there is no will to cut spending, the question is how do you fund it? The choices are either taxes that broad-based taxes that include the top 20% and non-residents, or narrowly based taxes that only hit middle and lower income Alaska families. And, and for with the legislators who go around and say no taxes, what they're really saying is, I want to keep the taxes focused on middle and lower income Alaska families. I'm not willing to bear a part, in the, part of the burden myself. I want no taxes on me and no taxes on non-residents. Which, of course, is part of the whole problem here until there is a will to cut. Uh, these are the only solutions, which again, the will to cut is not on the horizon. It's just nothing that we can, again, I've been decrying this for, for 20 years that we need to get the spending under control. When Brad and I first started, Brad first started coming on the program. It was back in 2014. We were calling for, you know, calling to live within our means, you know, $4.1 billion at the time. And then they didn't do that. So then it was four, and then it was 3.9. And we were calling for them to live within their means and to cut and nobody. Oh yes. They'd nod. When you get them on the show, they'd nod. Oh yes. We'd like to cut down. We'd live within that. That was a question I asked. Can we live in that $4.1 billion arena? Oh yes. Look at us now. Nine years later, five, six, six billion dollars, five and a half billion dollars. We can't live within our means. We, we just, it's impossible. There is no will to make it happen. Final thoughts, Brad. Well, and then from that, the next question is, how are you going to pay for it? If you're not willing to live within your means, if you're not willing to live within traditional revenues, how are you going to pay for the difference? And no taxes is an answer that simply is no taxes on the, what that really means is no taxes on the top 20%, no taxes on non-residents, push the entire burden through PFD cuts to middle and lower income Alaska families. That needs to be clear. When somebody says no taxes anymore, what what that very clear, regardless of how you phrase it, oh, I'm against spending. I'm not going to pay spending until it, you know, I'm not going to pay taxes until spending's down. Regardless of how you phrase it, if you say no taxes, what you're doing is siding with the top 20% non-residents against middle and lower income Alaska families. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Thanks for covering me there during the break. <laughs> or not. <laughs>
All right, folks, we got more coming up. Thank you, Brad. Uh, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. Don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll talk about something before we get joined by Chris Story. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome back to the program. It is hour two of the big radio broadcast. And we just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets uh, with the weekly top three. And um, yeah, you know, it's just it's. It's an exercise in frustration. I was going to say an exercise in futility, but we have made a few changes over the last couple of years. But I will tell you from a 20-year standpoint, yeah, it feels like an exercise in futility sometimes because uh, it was just I was just reminded that it was 2014, 2014 when Brad and I first started talking uh, on the program continuously. And one of the first things that we talked about was the ICER report. And ICER in 2014 actually had a report out that said, here's the roadmap. Here's the roadmap for what the legislature needs to do if we want to continue with sustainability in the state of Alaska. And one of those roadmap points was the fact that the state budget could not exceed $4.1 billion at that point. That was the whole, that was the, that was one of the major benchmarks in 2014 uh, going into the 2015 session was that we could not exceed the 20 or the $4.1 billion benchmark. And uh, I mean, great. Okay. We see that. We understand. That's all great. Uh, And now, and, and in fact, that was one of the questions that I continually asked uh, prospective politicians who were on the program either to run for office or who were going into the next session was, this is what ICER said. What say you? Can we live within that four point? Can you give us a commitment? I mean, does that, oh, yes, we can do that. We can we can do that four point. Absolutely. And then, of course, I mean, no, it just, it exploded. There's just no way. So then the next half of the session, it was, well, ICER came back and revised the numbers and they said, well, okay, now it's $3.9 billion, right? So can we do that? So we started asking the revised question. Can you do, oh, of course we can do, 
And of course, now we could see exactly where that spending is at. This year's plan, regular and supplemental, 5.6. I mean, hell, even by fiscal year 18, this is just three short years after we started asking that question, the government spend was at $4.5 billion. And last, uh, you know, this fiscal year with all the stuff and the bells and the whistles, $5.6 billion. There is no will to fix the spending problem in this state, period. That's, That's the thing. I mean, you and I believe in that. Listeners to this show believe in that. People who are listening on the radio or on the Internet making comments. We all believe that. We are in the super minority because there's a bunch of people out there who are like, oh, I like this program. I like that program. There's politicians uh, who are in there like, oh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, you could cut that, but just don't cut my program. Just don't cut my, as long as I get my pound of flesh and my 30 pieces of silver and I get my capital project or I get my my thing or the ag department doesn't get defunded or whatever, as long as that happens, I mean, I'm all for cuts as long as you don't cut where I live. That's, as long as it's all thing, we, you know, as long as those things, we, as long as we that's is just don't cut where I live. Or don't cut my pet project or my secret program or whatever it is. That's where we're at right now, folks. We are in, I mean, I would almost say a super minority. That, that Because there's just no will. There's just no will. I mean, even, you know, even with our own, uh, even here in the Matsu, uh, I mean, you know, it was an additional $10 million in road projects or capital projects that got a budget passed that was larger than anything we'd ever seen. Right? Or nearly anything we'd ever seen. Because the projects were in there. That, you know, and... <laughs> there's just no will. There's just no will to get it done. You know, and you think about it and and you break it back down to what it looks like from a per person standpoint, from an individual standpoint. And when you realize that for the average family of four, the state is spending $60,000 a year on state government for the average family of four and the average family is going, where does it all go? But don't cut it. Don't cut. I mean, I just don't cut it. Why? Perception? Some kind of perceived benefit? Some kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know. What are you getting for your 15, nearly $15,000 for every man, woman, and child? What are you getting for each one of those things? I doubt that many people could name it. But they hear about a good program, and boy, they really don't want to, they really don't want to, uh, to cut anything because the children or the dogs or the ponies or the butterflies or some reason why we can't possibly cut it because I mean, and yeah, maybe it's because we're, uh, you know, the Brian just said the Matsu is larger than it has ever been, but the, you know, the Mat. Yes, I understand. Maybe we need to spend more money on the Matsu because it's larger than it's ever been. But at some point we all have to go, 
Maybe we should take a cut too. Maybe we should be willing to take a cut, even just for a year, my God, just, just do something. There is no will to fix it. And, I mean, I don't, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's depressing. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, just, again, think about how I feel about this 20-plus years of saying the same thing over and over and over again and watching as the things that I've, I, look, I'm not a freaking genius. I'm not a rocket scientist, but even I could see when the spending outweighs the income, there's going to be problems, right? I mean, I've run a household budget. I can at least figure that out. And when I've been saying this for 20 years, I don't have to be a freaking economist to figure it out. You know, that when you're taking stuff, you, you, you just, oh, but we can't cut because the children or the, the dogs or the animals or the whatever, the Department of Agriculture, the farmers will be, you, you know, look, here's the thing we've created. I mean, this is a nationwide talking about farmers. And government subsidies, you want to talk about a total poo parade that is a self-inflicted wound like you ain't never seen before. That's part of the problem. But I remember that. That was during the big, the Dunleavy, the, the apocalyptic budget, remember? And that was one of the first to cave on that was Delana Johnson for Palmer because they'd cut, what did they cut, $60,000? No, it was maybe it was more than that. I can't remember how much. They de- they cut at the Department of Agriculture. And she was like, but the farmers are just... Either everybody's got to feel it or nobody feels it. We feel it in a different way. You either cut the budget or we get squeezed in some other way. How about those farmers now losing all their PFDs or the farmers' customers losing their PFDs and now not having money to spend in that direction as well? But we can't do that. Oh, my God, you people. I had such a good vacation, and now here's where I am. <laughs> I, You know, here's why I am. I had such a good vacation, and I came back all day. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Right. And again, Kevin said the quiet part out loud, with the exception of this show and maybe a handful of people outside of this show. Nobody gives two craps about whether or not the government is overspending. They really don't. They really don't. In fact, they're all standing around in line with their handout. For government spend. I mean, now I saw the headline. Uh, it was the headline. I don't remember if it was ADN or if it was the uh, the the beacon or whatever. But now it's like, oh, well, the health care, the daycare workers and the Alaska child care providers say that the funds approved by the legislature are crucial to staying open. <laughs> well, Something's wrong with your business model if, uh, for some reason, you can't stay open uh, or, you know, prices need to be raised or something. If we need government intervention to keep a business open, that's a problem because that's not how the free market's supposed to work. But here you've got the government picking winners and losers, doing it all over again and meddling in the market and screwing it up even more. And I guarantee you, in five years, it'll be instead of, what is it, $7 million that they put into child care, it'll be a $30 million a year industry that's all funded. You know, that's all funded by government and people will be, you know, kowtowing to the state to make sure that they get their government money for the child care and all that. I mean, it's going to happen. It's just there is just no will to fix it. Period. Look at this last vote. 
that the House did. Look at this last vote. No will. No will at all. Period. Full stop. End of sentence. So what should you do? Well, I mean, I, we still got to decry it. We still got to we still got to whine about it. We still got to, you know, shout from the rooftops. We still got to. But in the long run, you best make sure your own house is in order. That's all I'm saying right now. I mean, where are we now? They're saying the drop dead date for the for the national budget is June the 6th. Now, that's the new date where we default on everything. Right. June the 6th. That's the new date. That's what they just said. So, I mean, here we are at the national level playing footsies with apocalyptic financial destruction um, and, you know, acting like it's no big deal. We'll just negotiate it right down to the 11th hour, meanwhile damaging the economy. In the state of Alaska, we'll just basically throw a, a, a monkey wrench into everything and deal with it and play games with people's lives in the economy. I got to tell you, folks, you could control you. You best get debt free. You best make sure you got everything you need on hand. You you just better be prepared for any eventuality. In omnia paratus, ready for anything because baby, we have no control over any of this. I mean, we have some we have some minute control over what happens in the state. We've helped, you know, we've helped put encourage people to get elected and we've done some of these changes but in the whole because they're down there in Juneau away from everybody and there's just susceptible as hell to all this kind of external pressure of more and more and more government spend and we have a vanishingly small voice in this you best get your own house in order that's all i'm saying right now that's 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 my final thought on that because, again, just going even just going back with Brad, 2014, almost what nine years ago now, I started with Brad, and we were saying the same thing. And ten years before that, I was saying the same thing. And four years before that, I've been saying the same thing since I first opened the microphone and started this program, and said we've got a problem in this state, and it's state spending. And they all roll their eyes and look at me like, oh, what do you know, you? young punk 25 year old kid what do you know um well i can look at a checkbook and see what's going on and here i am 25 years later yep i was right all right i mean i hate to be the guy that said i told you so but i told you so see i feel better now the michael duke show common sense radio Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Chris Story is about to be our guest here on the program. Uh, and we're going to talk with him uh, here in just a second. Let's get all this done. Oh, my God. So many things to talk about. I'll go over here. To this all right. 
Got it. That was my grumbling, in case you couldn't tell. That was my grumbling. Hey, listen to that. The phone works. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Mr. Story. What are you what are you doing? What do you uh what a morning it is. I'm drinking coffee, I'm thinking, I'm solving world problems and looking out at the beautiful Catchment Bay. All in one fell swoop. Man, that is uh, some serious uh you got some serious uh yeah, good good for you. Good for you. Yeah, heavy is the burden. Heavy is the burden, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I hate you so much right now. Um <laughs> So, so, so many, so many thoughts running through my head, uh, working on Chris's book this weekend and, um, uh, man, what a, what a knuckle biting, nail biting, white knuckled ride. Um, it, uh, it's, it's an amazing story. If you haven't read Chris's books yet, both his self-help books, the born to live and the backyard millionaire and his fictional work, the making of, uh, or a uh, man, the Making of Man, Jacob Mann series. And I'm working on the new one right now, uh, The Watchman. And uh wow, man, you gotta you gotta you had it was uh, it was quite a thriller. Um and uh, I'm excited to be able to pass it to you this week. and here's just one proviso yeah. I experienced something. I gave out I gave out some advanced reading copies just to, to listeners, just to be kind of get, you know, is there any little quirks or little, you know, um glitches that I need to fix. And I will tell you this, it's not the same. So if you really enjoyed Born to Live in the Backyard Millionaire, as you just call them self-help terrible type stories, this may not be for you. There, This is not, there is no. nothing self-help about this no. series. Uh, so it may not be for you. Just to, just a warning to. So I, I just don't want to confuse people. That's all. No, it's a thriller. I mean, it's a thriller with no redeeming qualities. I mean, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> That's what somebody said. That's what a guy told me that, uh, that his characters have no redeeming qualities, and I agreed with them. Yeah, hundred percent. And no. I think it was that you know, di- disappointment lives in the gully between expectation and reality. And right. So I just want to set the reality straight. These are two different uh, types of. It was definitely, thank you, Michael. It's definitely, yeah, it's a fun read. Uh, and I'm not quite done with it. I expected, I was hoping to be done with it this weekend, but it's, it is, uh, I mean, I'm done reading it, but I'm not done performing it yet. And, uh, it is quite a, uh, <clears throat> it's quite a thrill ride, quite a thrill ride. I can see Chris is living vicariously through his character sometimes. I'm just saying it's, <laughs> oh man. Good thing your wife is your re- is your first reader, right? I mean, <clears throat> you got to get all yep. that past her when it's all done. That's right. It's uh, exactly. It's all good stuff. Um, all right. Um, well, uh, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that the that the computer, the stream doesn't crash here because we <laughs> we had a crash during the last hour, and so we've recovered. But it seems like everything's going well. What's our topic for today, Chris? Make up your minds. Make up your minds. Okay. All right. We got it. Then we will uh, continue here and we will make up our mind. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. (laughs) Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. 
not your daddy. <laughs> I'm not Chris Story's daddy either, which is good to know. Uh, Chris, I'd be so disappointed. So disappointed. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. Uh, as we continue on, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, good morning, Chris Story. Uh, we're ready to dive in with both feet and get things going on. What's uh, what's happening, my friend? Are you uh, are you uh, you all rejuvenated from the Memorial Day weekend? Yes. Yep. As a matter of fact, we had a wonderful. We had about 30, 30 people, I guess, at our family gathering yesterday. Thirty of us stories and and kinfolk. It was wonderful. It was a great day to be together. And, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, are you supposed to say happy Memorial Day? I don't know, but it really was a time to reflect on, you know, how we are able to still gather and be free just based right. on those who've fallen. So it was, it was a wonderful time to, to be together and, and we had a great weekend. Thanks for asking. How about you? You know, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. I was just going to say it wasn't good. It was, it was great. I mean, we had a, we had a good time. It was, um, just a quiet family gathering, uh, real quiet around the old household. We ended up, uh, hanging out, uh, uh, doing some things around the house, a little gardening, a little this, uh, you know, mm. got together, broke mm. some bread, fired up the barbecue grill, finally got my grill fixed and, uh, and, uh, you know, had some dead cow and stuff and it was, it was good. It was, a uh, it was nice. enjoyable. Um, a friend of mine and an avid listener of yours drove past at some point during our gathering and saw our whole group together. And I didn't see a text so much later, but he said, I hope it's not Bud Light you're drinking. I was able to assure him later. No, no, no Bud Light was consumed <laughs> during our Memorial Day. Yeah. Because that would be a true crime. That would be a true crime. <laughs> um, all right. So today, uh, your self-help, your, your betterment, uh, segment, the positivity guru, you want to tell us to make up our minds. That's what your whole premise is today. So hit us with it. And minds, of course, being a, a fun pun, it's obviously a plural on purpose because there's three minds. You, you do not have a single mind. You have three minds. You have your subconscious mind, your conscious mind. We all know that. But the third mind you may not be as attuned to or aware of, and that's called the super conscious mind. So breaking them down, starting with the most obvious, the subconscious mind, okay. essentially is just pure power. It's always moving. It's always on. It's working whether you give it direction or not. It's like kinetic energy that's just ready to be harnessed. And it's a bit like a power plant. If you think about a generator, generator doesn't care what you use the electricity for. It doesn't care if you're powering a light bulb, be it LED or incandescent. It doesn't care if you're trying to cook or heat with it or use it to fire up an electric chair in Florida or Texas. It just doesn't care it's there to generate power. And that's what our subconscious mind does. It's a neutral power, just pure force ready to be harnessed by you. So that's the subconscious. And then, of course, obviously, you know, your conscious mind is a bit like the conductor in front of an orchestra. It's there to direct. It delegates tasks to the subconscious mind. It's the programmer programming the computer, which, of course, is your subconscious. But it determines what the horsepower of your subconscious mind is going to do or be used for. So that's your conscious mind. So those two, we know it. We, we probably let our subconscious go a little bit dormant sometimes, and then we'll come back through maybe reading or prayer or, you know, guided meditation, whatever, and come back to the realization, that's right, 
I need to re-engage my subconscious mind. I need to put it to work to help me to become healthy, wealthy, prosperous. Whatever it is that you're looking for, you can put it to work. Your subconscious mind never forgets, though, to make your heart beat. Right. Pump blood through your veins <laughs> and keep your nervous system going and you're breathing. You never forget to take a breath. That's your subconscious mind constantly working. But you get to program it as you see fit, which leads to then the lesser known consciousness, which is the super conscious mind. Okay. So we got the regular consciousness, we got the subconsciousness, and now we have the super consciousness. The sub and the regular mind work together, like you said, hand in hand. You use the regular consciousness to program the subconscious, which goes to work behind the scenes, doing its thing, doing all that stuff. What is the super consciousness? And those two I like to describe as the <clears throat> Reese's peanut butter cup of the mind. They're perfect together. <laughs> Chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, man. I'm hungry. Uh, the super conscious mind is your ability to tap into the universal consciousness. And a wonderful author in 1925 named Florence Scovel Shin. She was an artist turned author and thought leader in uh, Unitarian Church. She referred to this as god mind your god mind your it's the source your sub your super conscious mind is your ability to tap into all sources of creativity meaning there's not a lot of meaning found in your subconscious mind i mean it's yeah there's there's really no sense of meaning if your subconscious fails your respiratory system but meaning comes from your super conscious mind and it's a place where inspiration lives divine ideas guidance a knowing or intuition that's that's where the super conscious comes in and you've got access to it and it it doesn't mean that, that you're not in other words the subconscious mind is at work whether you program it or not the super conscious mind takes a little more work takes a little more effort to tap into you have to be pretty intentional about tapping into the super consciousness it isn't just well for good or evil you're using it every day and that's your subconscious mind your subconscious mind will whip you like a dog with respect to things you've done wrong or haven't done or know you should have and and it just it's constantly whipping you back and forth like a whipsaw either for good or for bad right but your super conscious mind is a little bit like imagine you're living in a home with a computer set up at a desk the computer's connected to the internet and you just don't use it. It just sits there. It's not doing anything. It's neutral. It's just sitting there. It's not whipping back and forth like your subconscious mind. It just sits there. And yet you can go to that computer and get and tap into this super consciousness, this internet, if you will, anytime you want to. But you have to intentionally go do it. Again, otherwise it just sits there powered down. It's interesting because we've talked about the super consciousness in a different way before because, you know, it's like, Two people, <clears throat> this is pre-internet, right? Two people on opposite sides of the world have exactly the same inspirational thought and they invent and create something that is almost identical. Two, you know, two different sides of the planet. This has happened time and time and time again. We find out that within days or weeks of each other, two people invent something new or create some kind of theory or come up. I mean, we've talked about this kind of super consciousness, that that overall thing. You've just got to figure out how to tap into that super highway of information uh, out there in the ether. So how do we do that? How do we how do we program our minds? We using our consciousness and our subconsciousness to access that part of reality. I think the first thing 
is to essentially recognize that these three minds exist and accept that. And if you if you're having a hard time accepting and going, God, you're these these two idiots again, once again, tracing down the <laughs> metaphysical highway. God. Well, if you're there, then you'll probably keep that door closed. Or or maybe you've already accepted it and you're like, Yeah, but I, I don't care for the more metaphysical approach because for me it's prayer. That's great. Prayer is my on ramp to the superconsciousness. I pray, use affirmations. Uh, constantly every day in my journal i'm writing down essentially who i'm praying for what i'm praying for and and gratitude and i, I combine those two things so that's my way onto the super conscious highway if you will you could use another way but i think it's accepted first of all that there are these three minds controlling your subconscious mind to prevent you from going down these dark roads and i'm not talking about real depression that's clinical i'm talking about where we can all feel a little depressed or down or dark moods and gray days and so forth programming your consciousness well your subconsciousness through your conscious mind practicing that becoming really good at it and then adding in for however it works for you adding in access to this super conscious that we're talking about in other words knowing just just allow it and knowing i think you already know you already have a sense but you've probably been shutting the door there's something you want to do. There's something that you're here to do, but you might be just pushing it back a little bit, maybe because the uncontrolled subconscious mind is, again, whipping you back into place. And that's where your consciousness will direct it to be quiet, subconscious. You be quiet. Do what I tell you to do. I'm programming you. I'm using affirmations. I'm guiding myself with, with goals, and I'm looking forward, and I'm moving in this direction. Now, you just be quiet and do your job, subconscious mind. Then begin to allow intuition into your life, that knowing that still small voice in the back of your mind, not the negative one, but the one that has divine inspiration for you. And that can be simply, doesn't have to be that you come down from the mountain with tablets. It doesn't mean that you have to invent some new heart valve that nobody's ever thought of before. Those are all wonderful things, but that doesn't necessarily have to be your relationship with superconsciousness. And I think just an acceptance. For me, again, it's God. For me, it's, it's knowing that there is a higher power and that I'm beholden to that higher power and I'm loving it. And I try to tap. There are days and weeks that I will, will ignore. And then I come back and go, wait a minute. I see. I know exactly. I know where I went wrong. I, I Yeah, I'm shutting the door on superconsciousness. And then I wake myself back up to it. And I think waking up is probably maybe the best analogy. And as John Popper, a blues traveler, said, once you're awake, you can never go back to sleep again. Well, and it's it's always it's like the carrier wave, right? I mean, it's always there in the background. It's always there. You just have to learn how to tap the lightning and and you know tap into it. And you do that through. Uh, look, there's people that go through life that are just. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say stumbling through life, but they'll just they're just on the they're riding the subway. You know what I mean? They're going from point A to point B. They're riding the subway. They're doing what they're they're just they're just along for the ride. And then there's others that take conscious control of it, control their minds, uh, and then use that mind to program the subconscious to achieve a bigger goal. Whether, like you said, that's health, wealth, prosperity, fame, um, <clears throat> you know, something important, discovery, invention, science, whatever it is. And then there's those that use that and then use the programming to then tap into something. So there's almost like there's three levels. Those who are just along for the ride. Those who take that first step to kind of control their thoughts, 
to use, because that's the one thing we have absolute control of is our thoughts, to use those thoughts to then program the subconscious to put it to work. It's the supercomputer behind the scenes crunching the numbers and running the algorithms and decrypting everything in the background for us after we program it. And then once that's all done, then it connects us to the superhighway of you know, universal intellect or, you know, God mind or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, the spirit, the muse of intuition or inspiration, all those things we can choose. We can choose any step of the road of where we want to be, but it has to be, I mean, this is the ultimate of free will. This is the, it has to be a choice to do those things. You just don't trip on it. You just don't trip over mm -hmm. it and be like, Oh, look what I discovered. Mm -hmm. You have to work on it. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. And you're like the Chat GPT of, of everything I'm saying. You put it into, into uh, a very intellectual state. Thank you. And the other thing I would say too is that to let go. I think so many of us right now, be it from a global geopolitical perspective, or just nationally, or statewide, or even locally, have anger and are holding that anger and are holding hatred for our leaders or the leaders of, of other countries or. Xi Jinping of the Communist Party, uh, Chinese Communist Party, we're holding hatred for so many people. And I think that is a filter. It's a filter in a negative way. It's filtering out a lot of the super consciousness. And I'm not suggesting that we simply sing Kumbaya and hold hands and say whatever will be. No, I am suggesting, though, that the solution and the answer will not come to us while we're angry. It, I think we have to calm our minds using our conscious mind to calm the subconscious the waters of the subconscious mind in order to get the message from and get through to the universal mind or the super conscious mind and that hatred towards a neighbor that hatred towards somebody that you think has done you wrong wherever they are maybe it's not even about you but it's what they've done to the country or what they've done to um whomever i mean you know, i was holding a lot of lot of anger towards Mitch McConnell in the last senatorial race that he pumped 15 some odd million dollars of hate into our state towards Kelly Chewbacca. And I was angry, just so angry at Mitch McConnell. I was like, gotta let it go. Gotta, no, don't forget. And obviously we want to be aware from a right. political perspective, but that hatred and that anger is doing me no good and doing no good for the solution, which I was blocking from my own mind. And so I think we all have somebody we're probably we can relate to, um, you know, in that perspective. Maybe it's not Mitch McConnell. Maybe it's somebody else, or it's something that was done to you, or you perceived was done to you. It's time to let go of that. A meaningful life isn't about carrying around those burdens. It's a lot of weight. I watched a really wonderful. You and I've talked about the Victor Frankl's book, The Answer for Meaning, many times. Right. But I was watching a video. I found a, a 16 minute long. YouTube video um, from the early 1980s. And I was just watching, it's the first time I've ever seen Viktor Frankl speaking, heard many of his speeches and read his book, but to watch him and to see somebody who had been through three concentration camps, his entire family decimated, uh, millions of his brothers and sisters uh, of his faith and his people just destroyed and he had no anger. Just like Nelson Mandela, once he was released from prison, had released long ago the hatred for the people that put him there unjustly such. And I think that's probably the best way to relate that I can to the superconsciousness. Starts with forgiveness. And maybe you just have to forgive yourself, first of all, before you can move on and access what's waiting for you. But there's something for you to do that only you can do. So Yoda was right.
anger leads mm. to hate. Hate leads to suffering. That's what it's all about. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There it is. Um, what a great little green man. I'm always breaking it down for you. Chris Story, the yeah. man from Homer, make up your minds, all three of them, your consciousness, your subconscious, and when you can connect to it, the super consciousness, it's... I love it. I mean, I, it, it remind again, these sh- <laughs> these segments are for me, folks. I don't know if you're getting anything, but I'm definitely getting something. Chris Story, the man from Homer, my friend, thank you so much for coming uh, on board today and sharing with us. As always, great stuff, uh, deep and lovely. And uh, I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you uh, uh, this weekend. I'm hoping this weekend while I'm down there. All right. Do it. We will talk to you soon. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Hold the line. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Back with more after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, final thoughts, Chris Story. I mean, you know, maybe people don't understand the metaphysical mumbo jumbo, but it works. <laughs> I mean, that's the you know, that's the thing. If you don't agree with it, you don't call it the you know, if Chris didn't label it the thing that you want to label it, it's not new agey and crystal. Uh it's prayer. It's thought. It's connecting to the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, whatever it is that, you know. Whatever phraseology you put on it, it all basically falls under the same umbrella, right? I mean, somebody else may call it the universal intellect. I think that was one of Napoleon Hill's favorite things is the mastermind and universal intellect. But he was talking about the God mind. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was talking about connecting yourself and getting the internal correctly facing so that the antenna would then receive the message from the sender, right? I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I agree 100%. I keep getting this sense that we're at the precipice or in the midst of or the beginnings of a spiritual revolution. And I think that's, I think more and more of us are going to wake up to that as an accepted way to solve what appear to be insurmountable problems facing all of humanity right now. And I'm not talking about half a degree warming over the next hundred years. I'm talking about real problems that we are creating for ourselves every single day and bringing upon ourselves. I think this this revolution is at hand. I think we're I think we're I think more of us we've reached the bottom potentially in the race to the bottom. I think we've won and now we can build back up. No, not build back better, just build back up towards something greater. I hope you're right. I, I really do. I hope you're right. I think that um I just think that yeah, just this reminder that, again, there are very few things that we can control in life. We can control our conscious thought. We need to help direct it. We need to move it into the subconscious and then maybe, just maybe, tap into the spirit and be able to, you know, see bigger, better things, to be able to create, to be able to enjoy, be able to love, be able to come up with ideas, thoughts, and things that uh, will make the overall thing better. I mean... I have to think that that's the way. I mean, because otherwise it's just too depressing, right? I mean, this is, I have to right. think that it's this way. Hopeless. Because the, yeah, because yeah, the mean, alternative is hopelessness. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's like I was saying earlier in the program, this show in some ways feels like, just in some ways, an exercise in futility. I've been saying the same thing for 25 years. 
I've been saying the right. same, talking about the same issues, talking about the same things. Does that mean I'm going to stop? No, but it does get frustrating. And so you have to make sure that you get your mind right to be able to, to continue the struggle because eventually, you know, you don't grow weary in well-doing. You do, you keep doing what you can do, um, but you need to get a hold of that still small voice in your head. And if it's negative, you need to strangle it hard. And if it's positive, you need to feed it. And uh, that's... And I guess you could probably, Michael, you could look at it a couple of ways. You could look at it like you've been going to the ocean with a teaspoon trying to empty it. Or you could look at it and just say you've been leading people to the ocean and you have been. And I'm not trying to, you know, placate you. I'm just literally saying you do not know um, the influence and the impact you've had. It's not measurable. In other words, the metric by which you might be measuring your results of this last 25 years is probably wrong. In other words, you can't base it on the fact that we're still running a multi-billion dollar negative budget or that right. the country hasn't solved this particular thing. You've been a leader guiding people to the truth and to right. waking up to a consciousness that uh, to bring it full circle is important and powerful. So it is hard to measure our own success based on that that particular metric. I think it's the wrong rubric. You should pick another another topic or another way to measure it, which is, oh, man, look at the audience I have now statewide and worldwide on your, your internet, you don't know who you're actually impacting. I think it's much greater than the sure. credit you're giving yourself. Well, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I'll never know the full impact of what I've done until I've died because you just don't know. I mean, because again, radio is amorphous, the internet, the stream, you know, the thing goes out. You don't know how many people's minds you've changed or yeah. <clears throat> things you've influenced. And Mrs. Dukes, Mrs. Yeah. Dukes was texting me that same thing over the weekend until Michael dies. Yeah, we won't know. We I won't. Terry, no, it's just wait, so, wait, so. wait. That's not right. That's just not right. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's good to uh, it's good to remember these things. And again, I wish more people would stick around for these segments just to hear what you have to say because I think it's important. But regardless, even if it was just you and me on the telephone, I'd do it every week because I definitely need it myself. So, Chris Story, master storyteller. Um, and, uh, all around good guy. And, uh, one of my, uh, one of my good best friends. Thank you, my friend for coming on board and sharing with me as always. It is, uh, it's good to hear from you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Chris story, the man from Homer, uh, brings us, uh, the good stuff, the good stuff. Okay, um, one final segment here of the show. What am I going to talk about? No idea. No idea. We're going to figure it out, though, one way or to other. We're going to figure it out, and we will uh, continue. Um, please like and share uh, if you haven't done that already. Uh, like and follow. If you're out on YouTube or if you haven't gone to YouTube, would you go subscribe and ring the bell and do all the YouTube things? I haven't looked at my YouTube account in a while, but I imagine it's still probably under 500 people. I need a thousand people on YouTube to make some changes and do some other things. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. The Michael Duke Show, proudly splitting the left versus right uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I had to look that word up, too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. Here he is, though. That guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. That's right, the show with double, <clears throat> double intros. That's like me introducing myself. Hey, that's what happens sometimes when you get talking. 
Hey, good morning, and thank you for uh, being part of the program today. Uh, we're into the final segment of the show, and uh, I've got, um, well, I mean, I don't know. I Chris just said some things here in the final, um, in the while we were in the commercial break, because Chris hung with us for a minute there. We were talking about things, and he reminded me, that, you know, it's it, it, like I said earlier, this is, I mean, it's a little frustrating. We are in the minority, uh, and we continue to be in the minority, and I've come to the conclusion that over the last 20 four years, 25 years, we have always been in the minority, even though we felt like, oh, this is a red state, man. This state is so, I mean, we're rugged individualists and we're all, we're just always the, but the problem is, is that, um, it's not really true. It's not really true. That's really not what's going on. We are a state that has created, uh, that is based on dependency. Um, we have a lot of different things uh, going on that uh, basically foster that dependency state. And um, we have no interest in living within our means and doing everything else. Uh, the PFD is going to be gone. Whether it's two years, whether it's five years, eight years, whatever the number is, Sometime in your lifetime, if, 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 you know, providing you live the next five, eight years, the PFD is going to be gone. <clears throat> and then we're going to be faced with a bigger challenge. And I don't think anything's really going to change. We've got a few voices in there uh, in the legislature that fight for this stuff. A few that, uh, <clears throat> you know, do what they can do. But overall, there is no changing that situation. Now, does that mean that we roll over and we crawl into a ball and we cry because we're just not getting it done? No, doesn't mean that. Like I said, I've been doing this for a couple decades. I'm used to it by now. Maybe I'm changing one mind. Maybe we're changing one voice. Maybe we created, you know, one, uh, you encourage one person to get out there and to do what need to be done, right? Maybe that's what happened. You just don't know. And Chris just said it, you know, he goes, because I said, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't know if I'm making any effect because I've been doing the same thing for so long. Uh, the bottom line is I will never really know how many people have been affected by the words that I've spoken over the last 25 years until I'm dead and I'm looking down from the pearly gates, you know, God willing. And uh, and I understand I can see maybe the lives that I've touched. So I have to go on faith that those things are going to go that are, are going to happen, that the things that I'm doing are the right things, because this is a path that I've chosen and this is what I want to do. And you guys have got to do the same thing. You've got to decide. You've got to act like everyone's watching and you've got to do the right thing. And you've got to keep making the you know, you've got to keep making the noise and going through the motions and doing what you need to do to try and fix it. Meanwhile. You're also making sure that your own house is in order, as I said earlier, because I think that's important. You always want to have a failsafe because, <clears throat> let's face it, if the wheels come off the bus, and by that I mean like financially, if, if, if for example, we come up on the whole debt ceiling thing and we default in the United States, I mean, that's going to create a whole kind of catastrophic fiscal crisis, right? If we hear in the state of Alaska, if we screw things up, all it means is that we lose the PFD and that there will be taxes and we'll be paying for more government and it's going to cost us money and all that kind of stuff. In which case, my suggestion still makes sense. Get your fiscal house in order. 
you know, pay off your debts, pay off your loans, get your property owned free and clear, do what you can do, uh, you know, maybe invest in some other, you know, real estate so that you have some actual, you know, physical assets that you have available to you and could do things like that. Because then if, again, it's prepare for the worst and hope for the best and all your surprises will be happy ones. If you've done all this stuff, then your life and you're fiscally secure, at least that pressure's off your back, even if nothing else changes. But if something does go wrong, you know at least that you're taken care of, right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of this stuff. Anyway, I I always get so super philosophical when Chris comes on because he makes me think about things beyond that. I've opened up the phone lines. I uh, want to say a special thank you to our friends over there at Satellite West for helping to sponsor the program today. Satellite West from, uh, you know, uh, Selawick to uh, Sitka to from Metlakatla to Manchumana, from Minto to um, Mirror Lake. Wherever you want to go in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got you covered with a whole slew of technology that will allow you to stay in contact, whether it's phone calls or text messages or surfing the internet or sending emails. Satellite West, proud sponsors of the show. Thank you so much. Phone number to, uh, phone number to call this morning, 907-433-3150. We don't have time for much, maybe one or two calls. Coming up tomorrow, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet because uh, Mike Shower is on vacation, but I'm thinking about doing a What If Wednesday, and if that's something that you want to hear, please, please send me an email, let me know. Or tell me in the chat that a what if Wednesday is what you want to talk about. Let's go over to the phones and see what uh, the final thoughts are for today as we go forward. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, this is Rattles up in Pleasant Valley. Hello, Rattles. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, good morning. Good morning, sir. I went into Fairbanks on Friday, and six different people came up to me and thanked me for scolding you for taking Friday off. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> and then when I came home here, a couple more people mentioned it, right? I was wondering why you're in there today, because today is the original Memorial Day. Memorial Day is May the 30th. Right. Well, you know, I have to follow convention, unfortunately, and so I just celebrated it along with everybody else because I had to go along to get along. I'm, I want to play you a song on my radio program. It's called Seven Day Weekend. <laughs> I love that. I, as I said earlier in the program, I said the best thing about a four-day weekend, the only thing better is a five-day weekend. That's what I want. I mean, just give me the five, six, seven-day weekend. I'm all about that. I would love that. You'll just retire. <laughs> I could. You know, I should just retire. That would be that would be good, except for, you know, the food and the and the and the mortgage and all that pesky stuff i probably would retire that's uh, that sounds uh, that sounds enjoyable to me all right rattles well, well you know one thing good i'm not in debt and i'm glad of that no i mean that that is definitely a plus and like i said before if you get your own house in order it definitely takes the normal day-to-day -day stress off things right you don't have to worry about mortgages and uh, and all that other stuff if you uh, if you're debt free financially right. set you don't have to be a millionaire, but if you're financially debt-free, then uh, it definitely gives you a little bit more peace of mind, right? I need some more big yellow equipment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got to go play in the dirt. That's what you need to do. All right. Well, thank you, Rattles. I appreciate you calling in, my friend. Thanks for, uh, thanks for keeping me honest, scolding me for not being here on Friday because, you know, that's okay. That's okay. People can scold all they want. Doesn't it's not going to stop me from taking Fridays off occasionally. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
I had to laugh because I was doing this on vacation days or something for the radio station. And uh, they said, like, yeah, you've still got like 15 days of vacation that you've got to use or lose. Oh, man, don't you hate that? Hate it when you don't use your vacation when you should. That's the that's the bummer part. All right. Well, um, coming up again tomorrow, I'm thinking about, again, doing a What If Wednesday, which is just a general discussion on um, – uh, it, it just a general discussion on different things and ideas on how you can prepare yourself and your family. Now, whether that's financially, whether it's physically, whether it's fiscally, whether it's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's be a good uh, I think it'd be a good discussion just to have and talk about and, and talk about uh, what what makes that work for many people. I will say this. Definitely being prepared for things definitely gives you some peace of mind, which I think is good i think you know we could all use a little less stress right all right well we are um we're ready to jump back into this tomorrow 6 a.m come join us the michael duke show common sense radio again special thanks to satellite west for sponsoring the program statewide we'll be back with more soon tomorrow morning 8 a.m Be kind, love one another, live well. Okay, my friends. Well, we are out of time. Ready to jump in for tomorrow. I hope you enjoy your Monday, your Tuesday. Not your Monday, because four-day work week. That's the best thing about a three-day weekend is the four-day work week. All right, my friends, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 